0: Uh, take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter number 11, 1 Corinthians in chapter number 11. And while you're finding your place, I'm just going to reference Luke 22. We um, read some verses this morning, the first 20 verses of Luke 22 about the Passover, the Lord's Passover. And Jesus takes the Passover and gives it heightened significance because he takes the unleavened bread and says, this is my body and it was bro- it's broken for you and this do in remembrance of me. And then he took uh, the cup and he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. And, uh, and we covered that this morning. But, you know, it's interesting to me as you're maybe find, you found your place already there in 1 Corinthians 11. But right after that, after Jesus observed what we know, you know as the first observance of the Lord's Supper and, and in, into the midst of it, you know, just uh, he talks about that the one who would betray him is there. And then, and then there was strife about which of the disciples was the greatest. Isn't that astounding? Here he is telling them that he's about to go to the cross for them, and they're still fighting about who's number uno, right? And, um, and then the Lord says that, um, that you're going to be scattered, and, and Peter says, not me, Lord, I'll, I'll die for you. And the Lord says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then then he says, watch and pray, and they go to sleep. And then you have Peter following afar off, and you have his denial. So, I mean, that alone illustrates just how weak our flesh is. It surely does. Well, uh, keep that in mind, because even in the... In the next few moments, as he was about to give his life as a sacrifice for them and for the sins of the whole world, they were still very, very, and I'm not picking on the disciples because I'm very much like them, and so are you, and that's why we're here tonight, is that we are, even in the face of such, um, the greatest sacrifice ever, we are still very self-indulgent. Well, good evening. Aren't you really glad that you came to church here tonight? <laughs> Boy, we need it though, don't we? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read about disciples that followed um, after these, kind of, well, the same time period as Paul goes to Corinth and the church is established and then they have some issues and he's writing to them. So let's begin in verse number one, then we'll drop down, uh, we'll read verse two and then drop down to Verse 17. Where God here says, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the, what's the next word? Ordinances, yeah, keep the ordinances. Keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And then he goes on this, it seems like a tangent, but it's not, it's about hair, long hair and short hair. (laughs) It just, it seems unrelated. But I'm telling you, it's, it's not. And um, he's saying that men ought to have uh, short hair and ladies ought to have long hair. Okay? You say, what's well, a bald guy I know about any of this, right? So, well, got it really short. <laughs> How's that? So, okay, okay we'll, we'll come back to that thought in just a moment. <laughs> Verse 17. Now, in this I, that I declare unto you, I, I praise you not, that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Now, that, that really is among some of the worst words that could be said about a church, that you come together for, not for the better, but for the worse. And then he goes into it, gets specific, verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And then he gives these instructions, verse 20. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, what what he seems to be saying right there is this, Um, You're calling this the Lord's Supper, but this is nowhere near what Jesus instituted. You may may give it that label, but that's not at all. Now, I'm trusting that tonight, that this message would be preventative because we want to stay in tune where we're observing the Lord's Supper in a very worthy manner, worthily, okay? Uh, But they had a real problem and and this. Um, If we don't say spiritually sensitive to the Lord, we'll have the same problem. Manifest maybe in different ways. All right. Okay, let's uh, pick back up the reading now. Let's see. Uh, Verse 21. For in eating, every one of you taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry and another is drunken. What? (laughs) Do you you think Paul said it that way? (laughs) I'm not sure exactly the tone. What? (laughs) Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you, the church of God, and, and shame them that have not? What, what, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For, and then, then he goes into the, the way it ought to be observed. Verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which... He was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of Of me, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. I like these next three words, don't you? It fits really Yeager's song, doesn't it? Till he come. All right, let's keep reading. For whosoever, or sorry, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord. And here's a key word, unworthily. Now, it's got a context to it. That's what we're going to look at. Unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Well, you can just tell right there, you, you don't want any part of that. You know, you, you, dis- you dishonor this flag here, you're dishonoring the whole country. I'm talking about the flag of the United States of America. And you dishonor what the Lord gave us, you're dishonoring Him. So what should we do? Well, look at verse 28. But let a man, what's it say next? Examine himself. That's largely what we're here to do tonight. Examine ourselves. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. It doesn't mean that he loses salvation. That that would be non-biblical thinking. But it means this, condemnation. In fact, the context will bear it out. Let's just keep reading. Uh, not discerning the Lord's body for this cause. And here, here he's giving that damnation or that condemnation. And what it looks like, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. In other words, some have passed away. So, I mean, this matter of the Lord's Supper is a serious deal. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together into condemnation, and the rest I'll set in order when I come. Well, I bet they had a fun meeting then, huh? Okay, so the message tonight, the, um, the title is Examine Yourself for the Sake of Christ. Examine yourself for the sake of Christ. You can't properly observe the Lord's Supper while you're given to self-indulgence. You can't properly observe the Lord's Supper when you're given to self-indulgence. And so may God bless the reading of His Word. Thank you so much for uh, standing and trust that tonight will just be good for every one of us here tonight. <clears throat> Well, I don't like checkups. Anybody else? Don't about going to the doctor? Checkups. We, we typically don't like checkups. We don't like to go when we're healthy because you kind of think, well, what's the need? Um, we're feeling good. In fact, we don't need to allow some doctor to mess it up by finding something that's wrong. <laughs> uh, we don't even like to go... I guess I'm speaking on behalf of my gender, at least. (laughs) I don't like to even go when I'm not feeling well, unless pain is involved. Then that has a bearing on my mind. Yeah, for sure. Well, we don't like checkups, but I think you would agree along the way in life, we need exams, need to be checked out. So uh, the word exam here in our text in verse number 28 means to be put to the test, to, of course, examine, to prove uh, as testing oneself by self-examination, uh, to scrutinize, scrutinize, scrutinize himself, scrutinize herself, scrutinize ourselves uh, to see whether they be genuine or not. It's used of metals as you would scrutinize or evaluate, test Prove uh, the genuineness of a medal. Uh, it means it means this. Just I'm just talking about the word examine. It means to test, to evaluate the general health, or to determine the cause of an illness. So I think we all have been there, or we, or we at some point, of course, will be, uh, just to get a good examination of your health. Or maybe you've got something going wrong, something wrong, and you want to find out why, right? Why? So um, here Paul says, let a man examine himself. So we need to deal with the context of this to understand what exactly was it that was going on or going wrong there in Corinth, in the church, that caused Paul to be so um, serious-minded, as you can pick up from the tone here, in and, and what, was, what was going on. And, and how can that obviously help us in Tuesday night? So, I mean, obviously, my heart and mind, maybe like yours is and has been, that we might observe the Lord's Supper as a church family in a way that honors the Lord and, and even to use the biblical word here to honor, to do so worthily, worthily, worthy of His, of His honor in a, in a proper manner. So... Examinations needed Now, now somebody might be here tonight and say, "Well, I just won't come Tuesday night." Well, well, don't do that. Here's the thing to do: Examine yourself tonight, and between now and Tuesday, get things right with the Lord. I, I think that's why this passage is here for us to examine ourselves and to get things right with the Lord. So please, don't skip out. Don't skip out. I I think actually, I mean, this is the one time of the year that we observe it. And we do it on an off night so that it's just our church family here. Because I I believe the Bible teaches a closed form of the Lord's Supper. Uh, There's open, which means anybody can partake in it. That's definitely not biblical. And close, and then closed. And I believe the Bible teaches a closed form of the Lord's Supper, because it is a local church ordinance. Brother Sam's here tonight, and I don't know how many times I heard Brother Sam say along the way, God only gave us two ordinances, we ought to get them right. <laughs> Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Okay, so we want to get them right. We want get to them, get them right, you know, just do it right. It honors God, and it's the right way to go. So let's just analyze this here tonight. We've got to deal with a particular uh, context of this and basically ask the question, and it's obvious that God was not pleased. Would you agree with that? Through Paul, I mean, Paul's writing this, but he's writing under inspiration. He's speaking to them and he's taking what the Lord gave him. He said, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, delivering, I'm delivering to you what I received of the Lord. Okay, so he's saying there's a right way to go about this and given the way that you're going about it right now, that's not the right way. So he's testing it by what Jesus said. Which obviously is what we as a church family ought to do, regardless of what other people think out there about the Lord's Supper or even about baptism for that matter. It's not, it's not the world's ordinances, it's the Lord's ordinances for the church. So we want to please Him. It's obvious here tonight that the Lord was not pleased. He used Paul to write to the church in Corinth and we need to understand why he was not pleased with what they were doing. And then, of course, to take an examination of ourselves to make sure that we are honoring the Lord and that we are pleasing uh, unto Him. So let, let's get into that tonight. And uh, there's a few practical points I want to try to make along the way. And, and so we're going to deal with specifically what it was that, that they, the way that they were dishonoring the Lord. And, uh, and then there'll be a general way, I think, that we can apply what Paul was uh, getting across. First of all, this, uh, from the first half of the chapter, A proper observance of the Lord's Supper begins with proper submission to the Lord's authority. Okay, Proper observance begins with a proper submission to the Lord's authority. If if you were to ask me, what, what one word would you use on our side as believers? What one word would you use to summarize the Christian life? I'd probably put it in that one word. Submission. Because submission will also entail faith or, or trust, belief. Because you're not going to submit to somebody that you don't trust. So if we believe the Lord, we trust the Lord, we'll submit to the Lord. Okay. I, uh, at the family conference, preached the life of Jacob. And I think that's the key that God was working in Jacob's life. And he physically, literally wrestled with the Lord. And God brought him to a place of submission. The hill grabber. Jacob. All right. Submission. But you think about it, even at salvation, about the Jews, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, have gone about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves into the righteousness, which is of God. So even at salvation, I'm acknowledging, God, I have no way of saving myself. Would you save me? Okay, 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 5 talks about this. It says that, uh, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but he giveth, gra- giveth grace to the humble. Okay, again, it's submission. All right. So, in the first part of this, as, as Paul is getting into it, he says, be followers. Now, that has everything to do with headship, doesn't it? And leadership. Being followers of me and look at Paul's order here as I am of Christ. Okay, I'm following Christ. You follow me as I follow Christ. The implication of that is if I stop following Christ, then you stop following me. It's headship. It's followership. It's, it's authority and it's submission. Okay. And so then in verse two, he says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances. So his main point coming into this chapter is about the ordinances. All right, now look at verse number three. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. All right, so there's an order here, all right? Uh, So there's the father, the son, the husband, the the wife. Where's the kids? Right there, all right? So uh, we don't have time to deal with all this, but it it really is key to the the chapter where he's going. Everybody's got to be under their head. Okay, everybody's got to be under their head. Okay, you think, of okay, I mentioned Jacob. You think about Isaac and Rebekah. Didn't didn't God tell Isaac, the elder shall serve the younger? And that wasn't how it normally worked out in their society. But God's been known to do things that doesn't make sense to man. Right? Right? And so he knew Esau and he knew Jacob. And so, but when you read the chapter 27 of of, uh, Genesis, then you see it's um, Esau... Is, uh, is Isaac's favorite and Jacob is mama's favorite. So you got daddy's man and mama's boy, basically what you have. Okay, but here, here's the point I'm trying to get at. There's an order. God said, I want to bless Jacob. Isaac said, I'm about to die because he was sick. Most men, when they get sick, think they're going to die, but he actually lived a long time. <laughs> so Isaac said, I know what God has said, but I want to eat one last smoked meat meal from Esau and bless him. All right, so then Rebecca said, come here, Jacob, my son, your daddy's out of his ever loving mind. We got to help God. Somebody said this, faith is trusting God without scheming. Rebecca is scheming. Jacob says, but mom, You you had to have a high pitched voice, don't you know? Daddy will know that it's not me. She said, I'll oh, just get his hunting clothes. and, But it, mom, he's a hairy man. I got the, We'll kill the goat and put some goat hair on the back of your neck. Now listen, if you've got neck hair or hair on the back of your hair like a goat, you need to do something about that. I'm just, <laughs> just here to tell you. Anyways, so I'm getting way off track here, but we're having a good time. All right. There's authority. God said, I want to bless Jacob. Isaac says, no, I want to bless Esau. Rebecca gets out of line. Jacob gets out of line. Esau gets way out of line. But I'm telling you, here's, here's the problem. It's headship. If I only had one session to do with a premar- with, in a premarital couple setting, I, I, would, I would cover the matter of headship because it's so vital. All right? So you're saying, preacher, I don't, where are you going with this? Well, where are the Bibles going? Because Paul's saying, I want to talk to you about the ordinances, but here's the problem. You're out of line. You're out from under your headship. You're you're not observing this the way that the Lord gave it to you to observe. In fact, here it is, the ordinances, and you're out of order. So doesn't nature teach you about order? And, and so then he goes into this whole big discussion about how that a man ought to have shorter hair and a woman ought to have longer hair. And, 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 and Brother Sam, I, I never understood this passage. I was in a premarital counseling session um, just observing while he was counseling other couples. And he explained this, God's a God of pictures. You know, uh, the door and the sheep and, and, uh, and all the other pictures that God uses, even the Passover, I mean, it's all pictures. So he's saying this, the man ought to have short hair because he's under Christ's, headship which is not seen on this earth he's under headship but it's not visible because Jesus is not here bodily are you following it the wife has longer hair because she's under her husband's headship and the way that you wear your hair is to reflect that huh all right, you stop and think about it. What do you think when you see a man with long hair? Well, there's probably a lot of things you could think, but <laughs> what, what's, what do you think, especially back in the 1960s, 1970s? What do you think? Rebel, rebel, rebel. Okay, what about a woman with a shaved head? Now this, this has a historical context in, in uh, Corinth, but when you saw a woman with a shaved head, then you also probably think rebel. And Paul says, look, I'm not going to make a, I'm, uh, okay, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's saying I'm not going to be contentious about this, but nature itself teaches you. You know, what, you know what he's saying here? Nature itself teaches you the matter of headship, okay? And you're out of order. Now, he uses that as an illustration then to go into this matter about the Lord's Supper, okay? So don't, please don't get hung up on the hair thing, all right? Because it's there to teach, listen, you've got to be in your place, And you gotta be under your head. And you gotta be under proper authority. And you can't just, you can't do, you you can't observe or conduct the Lord's Supper the way that you think it ought to be conducted. All right, you gotta do it the way that the Lord said. Okay, so what then was the problem? Well, we're talking about the church in Corinth. So which one do you wanna talk about? I'm talking about problem. Because there are multiple problems. But all of these problems really are still mean, stemming back to one thing. Okay, so let me just use the illustration that we started with. Um, so they were out of line about divisions in the church. I'm of Paul. I'm of Cephas, the rock. I mean, the original disciple. I'm following him, P- Peter. And others said, hey, I'm so spiritual. I'm of Jesus. Yeah. And there was this chaos in the church. They they came together, but they weren't together. See, what was happening is they were allowing what was going on on the outside of the church and the culture, because that was very much the Greek way. The Greek way, they had all their favorite teachers. They had all their favorite preachers. Well, uh, philosophers, rather. They had all their favorite teachers and such. And so they brought that mentality into the church. And some were saying, well, I follow him, and I follow him, and I follow him, when really they were just getting out of line it's selfishness and it's pride. Okay. Chapter five, they're out of line because they're not dealing with fornication that's in the church. Sexual sin. I'm going to have to pick it up here a little bit just for the sake of time, but I think you're following along. Is everybody following along? Does anybody need me to start over here? Is everybody, are we doing all right? Is this making sense? They're out of line. Chapter six, they're suing one another in the church. Chapter seven, there's contention about matters of morality. Chapter eight, uh, and chapter 9 and chapter 10, there's contention about matters of personal separation. Now we're at chapter 11 and there's, there's a problem with the way that they're observing the Lord's Supper. Chapter 13, 14, 15, well, 13 and 14 rather, 12, I'm sorry, 12, 13, 14, there's problems over the way that they were functioning with the gifts in the church. Chapter 15, there's problems about the resurrection. And chapter 16, he's saying, come on, let's get it together right here. All right. So, But really, you trace all of this back, the party spirit that was there, the suing one another, the lack of dealing with, with sin in the church, and, and all the other things that we've talked about, all this contention, if you boiled it down, basically, and by the way, it's the same thing for all of us in every area of life where we have a problem with one another or a problem with the Lord, it boils down to these things. It boils down to selfishness and pride selfishness and pride where we're out of out of order we're out from under our proper headship we're not we're not following the order that we ought to we're not under the lord's authority we we know what god has said i don't think that our problem is that we don't know what god has said our problem rather is we know what god has said but we get into sin when we put to question something that god has already settled And that's what they were doing. They were putting to question what God had already settled. And they were supposed to be observing the Lord's Supper, remembering the body of the Lord and remembering the blood of the Lord to remember his sacrifice, his unselfishness. And what they did is they took it and it became a display of self-indulgence. You say, what are you talking about? Well, The verses that we read describe how Paul addressed them, confronted them, because when they came together, what was happening is that the rich people of the church were gathered together and having a big old feast. While the poor people of the church felt like they didn't belong and didn't have anything to eat. And they were hungry. Is this this making sense? So that's what was happening and, and they were calling that the love feast, or they were calling that the Lord's Supper, and it was nowhere near what God intended because He intended it to be a memorial, a memorial in remembering the unselfish, sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And they took that, and it became the epitome the epitome of self-indulgence. And that's why Paul said, you're doing this unworthily, and that's why some of you are sick, and that's why some of you uh, sleep. It's gone even that far, and because God is chasing you, trying to get your attention, because, hang on, maybe we could say it this way, while you're eating your unleavened bread, you're puffed up with pride. Well, you know, that's really not much different than it was with the first disciples, is it? That's the reason I referenced chapter 22 of Luke and how that even Jesus, when he described what he was about to do on the cross and, and, and took the Lord's Supper or instituted the Lord's Supper based on the Passover, and they were still having a fight about who was the greatest among them. I am, I am, I am. It's the same spirit. I'll never, I'll never deny you, Lord. That's overestimating yourself. He may have been eating unleavened bread, but he was rising up. He was permeated with pride and selfishness. Okay, that was the particular of what they did. They were dishonoring the Lord's body and his blood because they were allowing even their selfishness and pride to affect the way that they observed even the Lord's supper. You say, well, I'm glad we don't have a problem with that. Okay, well, let's just go home. (laughs) No, I realize, I mean, it's not like we have uh, one section of the Lord's Supper this Tuesday night that's going to be up in the fellowship hall. All those that make a certain economic status, you know, if you're of this rank or whatever, you'll eat up there, you'll have an elaborate Lord's Supper. uh, And the rest of us will be in the basement. No, we, we don't have that going on here's what I love about the Lord's Supper. One of the things, everybody gets the same size cup. Nobody gets a big cup. I'm not trying to be irreverent. I'm just trying to say everybody gets the same size cup and everybody gets the same size wafer. The unleavened bread, is the same size. Everybody gets the same size. You know why? Because everyone here is just as equally important to God. And we ought not treat one, one person of the church more important than the other person of the church because of their economic standing or because of any other factor. Regardless of length of time here, because, regardless of spirituality, regardless of any of these things. Hey, listen, we are members of the same church body. And here, are, here are our theme is, you know, I, I thought, man, this is, just, this is just wonderful that our theme is love God's way. Let me, let me ask you this tonight. I, I wonder if God has tested us on that this year already. he? I feel tested. How about you? <laughs> Loving God's way. It's not your fault. I'm just saying in general. <laughs> that sounded terrible, didn't it? I don't have anybody in here in particular mind. I'm just simply saying, to love God's way, even though somebody maybe fails, or love God's way, even though somebody's different, love God's way, even though somebody maybe doesn't know how to act in church, love God's way. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we've had opportunity already this year to apply this. And here they were in the church in Corinth, and they were supposed to love God's way, and yet they took the one ordinance that was specifically designed by God to commemorate the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they made it a display of self-indulgence. Well, there are ways that we also can take the sacrificial death of our Lord and disregard it or come here Filled, eaten a little wafer that's un, that is unleavened bread, and yet also be filled with pride and selfishness. Is that true? It is, isn't it? So the father of the Jewish family would say, children, let's search the house to make sure there's no leaven in here. It's one thing that they would teach with the Passover. And I, I truly believe, church, I believe that this is a, at least an annual time, though I I think we need it more than just once a year. But it's a really good time for our church family and individually as a member of this church to examine yourself. To examine yourself. Realizing that had a particular context there. I get that. But can you see how that in a general way that it applies to all of us? And that as we come to observe the Lord's, body and His blood, that we ought to do our due diligence with God's help to let the Holy Spirit of God take His Word and to examine our hearts to make sure that we're not filled with pride or selfishness as we come, but that we can come and say, Lord, I want to thank you for saving me because I didn't deserve it. Let's examine ourselves. They had a particular issue there, but I um, I thought it'd be good for us tonight if 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 I could just take a few moments here and let you just examine yourself as to where you are spiritually to search for any kind of leaven in your life. Let, let's start right here. First of all, this. Are you ready? I thought about bringing in a clipboard, you know, as though we're in the doctor's office, you know. But I I think, um, really, it's not necessarily your pastor examining you, but if you think about it right, it's the Lord examining you. So, if you're to observe the Lord's Supper this Tuesday night, first of all, would you examine this, are you a child of God, are you saved? You can only observe if you're saved. It is not a sacrament, it's to commemorate, it's, it's a memorial. It's not a means of us receiving grace. I just want to be clear here because lest there be someone who thinks, well, do you have to have the Lord's Supper? Is that the way that you get grace? Absolutely not. We observe it because we've received grace. Are you a child of God? Are you saved? Have you been scripturally baptized? Uh, By that I mean um, after you were saved, by immersion, in deep water right deep enough to get totally wet because <laughs> it's a picture of the Lord's death burial and resurrection and we don't take dirt and just sprinkle it on somebody no we buried them it's the same picture okay have you been scripturally baptized not not for salvation baptism is nowhere in scripture connected to salvation it follows salvation It's a proper mode by way of immersion, proper candidate by way of a believer, proper authority by way of the church that Jesus started. It's not it's not for a father to baptize his kids. It's not for a um, nonprofit organization of some sort to baptize anybody. Jesus didn't authorize them. He authorized his church. And then those churches started churches and they have the authority to baptize. And to have the authority to baptize, it's got to have the right doctrine. And it's got to have the right heritage. And when my mom came to join uh, Grace Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, she came from a general Baptist church, which uh, believed that you could lose your salvation. Well, that that wasn't the right doctrine. Jesus didn't teach that. He taught that you're kept in the hand of the Father, and, it, and you're kept by the power of God and salvation. So she submitted herself. Again, the key to the Christian life is what? And is submission, she submitted herself to being baptized under the right and proper authority. Okay, So have you been scripturally baptized? Because to observe the Lord's Supper, then you need to be a member of Southwest Baptist Church here, if you're going to observe it here, because again, it is a local church ordinance. Everybody clear on that? So I think it's good for everybody here to analyze, to examine yourself. Have you been saved? In fact, Paul said it this way in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourself if you be in the faith. It's the same word, examine yourself if you be in the faith. In other words, make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. Have you been scripturally baptized? If you if you made a profession of faith and then you got baptized, and then later you understood you were a sinner and you actually got saved, then you need to be baptized because you haven't been baptized since you got saved. Does that make sense? Baptism. Baptism is very important. All right. Um, while we're at it, you know, we, we accept only Baptist baptism because of the matter of authority. Just because somebody uh, goes out and, and uh, says they're going to start a Chick-fil-A doesn't mean that they can do so. Just because they get somebody dressed up in a, in a cow costume. Doesn't mean that they have the authority to start a, a, a Chick-fil-A. You've got to be authorized. Well, what makes us think that the Lord would be any different with His churches? There needs to be an authorization. I, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Have you been scripturally baptized? And then are you a member of Southwest Baptist Church? Now, if you've been, you've been saved and you were baptized at a different church and it was a, a church of like faith and, and the right heritage, all those things that we've already discussed, then we don't have people to be baptized, we just have a transfer of letter into this church family. But I, I think it's very important, church membership, even though it's being downplayed in our day and time, is still very important, biblically speaking, because we have responsibility within this church family. In fact, baptism really helps us to see that the, the Lord's Supper is also a very much a local church ordinance because we don't baptize we don't we don't baptize someone here and they become a member of another church. They they're baptized here and they become a member of this church. We don't baptize somebody here and they become a member of a universal church because it doesn't exist. All right, we're covering a lot of ground here tonight. All right, so are you a member? And then then let's get into these questions. Are you growing spiritually? Are you growing spiritually? I, I think it's good to stop and think about it. Are you growing spiritually? God doesn't want you just going through the motions. And you can only grow spiritually if you set aside pride and selfishness and grow. Just some thoughts, just some questions that cause you to stop and think. Are you growing spiritually? Do you bring your problems to the Lord in seasons of prayer? Is there any disconnect between your public life and your private world? Okay. Is there any disconnect between your public life, what everybody sees, and what people don't see in your private world? Do you have a sincere love for the Lord? Do you love His church? Are you in love with anything more than you are in love with Christ? I'm, I'm going fast. Can you still process all this just listening to it? Just answering your mind. This is our time to examine ourselves in preparation for the Lord's Supper. Do you care about lost sinners? You want to see people saved. Isn't it awesome to see people in church and seeing them hearing in the gospel? Are you actively involved in personal evangelism? Is there someone that you're trying to please more than the Lord? How about this one? It, these are just some heart checks. I'm not saying you've got to have all these downright, but I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying um, it would be wrong of us to come in here and just flippantly observe the Lord's Supper without analyzing, God, is there any leaven in me? Is there any hypocrisy in me? Lord, am I living one way here and another way here? Can you pray publicly, but lack expression when you pray privately? Are you consumed with what others think of you? Are you regularly reading God's Word? How about this one? Are you faithfully attending church services? Well, I think it's important to be in church, don't you? Are you faithfully giving tithes and and your offerings to the Lord? conflict are you experiencing tension in your relationships are you experiencing tension specifically with your spouse wouldn't be right would it to come here and observe the body and the blood of the lord having been in a big old conflict with your spouse and it not be reconciled right how about you and your kids is everything all right How about uh, fellow members of this church? Is there any strife between you and another member? Is there anything that you need to get right, you know, before Tuesday night and say, "Hey, would you forgive me?" Um, or to give forgiveness? Paul dealt with it then. Don't you think we need to deal with it now? Right? Are you emotionally, mentally, and physically faithful to your spouse? Are you bitter towards anyone? Are you bitter towards your circumstances in any way? How about this one? Are you listening to godly counsel? Do you have regular fellowship with other believers? Is there any hidden sin in your life? We're trying to search the house right here, aren't we? Is there any hidden sin? Is there any leaven in here? Is there any leaven in my heart or mind? You follow what I'm saying by leaven? Are you answering God's call on your life? Practically, some of these are just practical questions. Are you part of a Sunday school class where you're growing and involved? Do you apply God's word? What do you need to change? What do you need to change to be in tune with God's will? Basically, I'm asking tonight, since authority matters with God and submission is a key to the Christian life, where have you stepped out of line? Even if it's just slight, this would be a wonderful time to say, God, I want to get in line with you. It may be that you're way over here. Or way off. But I'm thankful tonight that God allows us to come back and say, God, would you forgive me? I, I've been wrong in your eyes and, and uh, been filled with pride and selfishness. And Lord, I, I want to pray that you just purge that out of me. Like one preacher said, I want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. Amen? I want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. I don't want to be off doing my own thing. Examine yourself. Examine yourself tonight. Would you please examine yourself. Examine yourself, sir. Examine yourself. Take time to see spiritually in a general way how you're doing. Or if you're having problems, where does it trace back to you? I guarantee you'll find it rooted in pride and selfishness. Examine yourself, dear lady. And see, is there any, any strife, any, anything that needs to be dealt with? Examine yourself, young people. Examine yourself. Check, your, check yourself. Examine yourself. Scrutinize. See, God, where, where have I had pride and selfishness? And if we're honest tonight, I think we'd all have to say, Lord, I want to thank you for stopping me here tonight to help me see where I need to submit myself to you. Let's stand together here tonight. Father, um, you search our hearts. We want to honor you in the way that we observe the Lord's Supper, and, and even more than that, away from the table, so to speak. We know that what comes to the table is what happens oftentimes away from the table. And so I pray that, that, God, you'd help us, Lord, just to examine ourselves here before you. And, uh, Lord, because we want to honor you. And we know that it's... it's um, it's right that we would follow the admonition of scripture right here to examine ourselves prior to the observance where we're commemorating and remembering your death on the cross your shed blood and your body that was given for us and we want to show it till you come but we can't do it when filled or permeated with selfishness and pride and so i pray that you would would search our hearts here tonight by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here tonight. Some are coming to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, even in preparation.